So you see that the themes here in um, the book of 2 Thessalonians, where Paul is encouraging us to be faithful to God. First of all, in that first extent, extent that I uh, uh, mentioned, notice verse 4, which is a key verse concerning enduring persecution because of our faith. Verse 4 says, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of our God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Because of, of their faithfulness to God, because they're faithful to God, they're willing to endure persecutions and tribulations, and that's a testimony. You know, Paul is very thankful for the Thessalonian church. I, uh, one of the points uh, I emphasized in our study of 1 Thessalonians is that Paul was greatly encouraged. He would have been greatly discouraged and felt like all of his labor, all of his work as an evangelist and a church planter, a missionary, had, had, had been wasted had the Thessalonians uh, fallen away and not remained faithful to the church and to their faith. Uh, because of the persecution in Thessalonica. That, uh, Paul's ministry in Thessalonica is described during his missionary journey in Acts 17, where um, Paul had been forced to leave Thessalonica because of the persecution there. Uh, the Jews, uh, Paul had a ministry for, for several months, and, and they began to cause trouble and uh, were bringing uh, leading Christians who Paul stayed with before the magistrates and accusing them. And he had to move on to the, to the next city. And the, the Jews in Thessalonica that were so opposed to his ministry, they actually followed him to that next city, Berea, and made trouble for him there. And he had to leave and uh, made his journey all the way down to Athens and eventually to Corinth from where he writes the letter of 1 Thessalonians to encourage the, uh, the Thessalonian church, having heard that they're still being faithful despite persecution in Thessalonica and that the church is still growing and continuing there despite the persecution. And hearing Second Thessalonians again, he's very grateful that uh, the church is staying and remaining true to Christ despite the opposition, the religious opposition of Jews and bringing that before the political authorities of the city and causing problems where um, Christians were being beaten, imprisoned, and apparently from First Thessalonians even killed for their faith even though this is before the, the general persecution of uh, Nero that would begin during Paul's lifetime. Uh, the Jews were already causing trouble and bringing persecution that Paul himself had been a part of in Jerusalem and, and trying to bring that to Damascus when he was saved on the road to Damascus. And he had such a, an appreciation for these. You know, he had once been on the other side persecuting believers. And so he appreciated that believers were, were willing to face persecution and, and still stay true to their faith in Christ despite the physical consequences and social consequences of that. Look also at verse uh, three. Three is where he gives, thank, he gives thanks for them. Uh, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren. And let's remember, it's God who, who ultimately works in our hearts and, and brings us to him. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly. So they're, they're not just enduring, they're growing. They're growing in their faith. That your faith groweth exceedingly in the charity of everyone, their love for one another, of you, all toward each other aboundeth. And when you, you're going through a hard time together and you can relate to others or going through per persecution, um, it, it, they have that common bond of suffering for Christ 
in Thessalonica. And Paul recognizes that and is very grateful for that as he opens this letter to the Thessalonian church. Notice that faithfulness in persecution brings glory to God. It brings honor to God. Uh, the word martyr means witness. And when people see that people are willing to suffer uh, persecution for Christ, it bears testimony that you know, their faith is sincere, they're genuine. There's something real about what they believe and teach, that they're willing to suffer for it. Look at verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. And look at verses 10 and 12 through 12 as well. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith and power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, again, it brings glory to God when, pe when we are faithful to him. And also there'll be a reward, as he mentions there, um, glorified in you and ye in him. There'll be, a re there'll be rewards for those who are faithful, waiting in heaven for those who, are, who suffer in this world for the cause of Christ and for their faith and are faithful to their faith in Christ. And uh, tonight, when we look in further detail, we'll also look at you know, the fact that those who, are, who participate in the persecution, they will give an account for that to God one day. And, and that's mentioned in those verses we skipped over, verses 7 through 9. And that's another aspect of comforting and encouraging uh, the Thessalonians regarding being faithful to God by w willingly enduring persecution, um, surrendering themselves to God, even at risk of their safety and health and property and uh, uh, social status there in Thessalonica. Because that's the first extent, that they are willing to endure persecution. The second extent of their faithfulness to God that Paul encourages them in is that they not be deceived um, by false teachings, that they be able to recognize uh, false teachings and recognize and give attention to the right teachings, sound doctrine. Uh, let's look at uh, verse 2 of 2 Thessalonians 2. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of the Christ, the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ's return and his second coming. You know, and some people um, divide those end time events up differently. Some will say it's all one event. Um, and, and, and others such as myself and, and the doctrine of this, the, the statement of this church is that there's going to be that uh, rapture, that resurrection of, of all those who are, are dead in Christ, who have passed away, and then we which are alive and remain are caught up with them and go up with um, Christ to meet the Lord in the air as described in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, and that we're meeting him in the air. So he's not coming all the way back to earth at that time. And the, our understanding of those events is that then we'll go up to heaven. There'll be the judgment seat of Christ where rewards are given according to the faithfulness of believers. And there'll be the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then also uh, while, while that is happening in heaven on earth, there's the, great, the tribulation and the great tribulation of about seven years, uh, which the great tribulation really gets worse right in the middle of that halfway through. 
and then Christ returns at the end of that uh, to, um, to put an end to the rule of the Antichrist, removing the Antichrist and his followers from the earth and, and uh, casting them into the lake of fire and then setting up his um, rule, his physical rule on earth for a thousand years uh, while Satan is bound and put into uh, the bottomless pit during that time. And uh, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul had talked about the day of the Lord and he had talked about the rapture. The day of the Lord he had talked about in chapter 5 of the times and seasons, you have no need that are right unto you, he had said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. And, and he talked about the day of the Lord and that second return of Christ when he would you know, come to earth and at that point, judge, you know, take, take out the Antichrist, false prophet, the, and, and it doesn't go into all those details in that passage. Some of that is in Revelation. And a few of those details are here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where he talks about the man of sin. And the man of sin refers to, uh, I believe, um, and, and, and many scholars who agree, uh, believe that is the Antichrist, the man of sin. And apparently, uh, when Paul writes the second letter of Thessalonians, some are concerned. There are some teachings that are concerning uh, many in the church that they are in the tribulation. That because Paul, Paul had written that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them, some of them are concerned. When is that going to happen? Have I, has it already happened? Is it, uh, or it's about to happen, so there's no sense in continuing to work a secular job. It's about, he's coming any time now, going to come within our lifetimes for some of us. And that's what they, they were believing. And uh, and they were looking for it around them, looking at the tribulation they were in, the persecution they were in at that time. And, you know, for some people during World War II and, and Hitler's uh, reign of, of terror upon the Jews, it may have seemed, or, and the uh, terrible bombardment of Britain went on during World War II. For some people living through those times, it may have seemed like, wow, this is the tribulation. We're in it right now. Um, in various times throughout history when, when things have gotten bad. And that's the t kind of situation they were in here in, second, in the in, Thessalon in Thessalonica, where some of them are looking around them and saying, things are bad. Is this the tribulation? Are we going through it? And uh, Paul writes in verse 3 of 2 Thessalonians, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And 1 Thessalonians, he had talked about um, with the words of comfort that you are not um, appointed to wrath. And that's where, where those of us who believe in the, in the pre-tribulation rapture you know, take some of that idea that Christ is going to remove the church before the wrath of God is poured out on this earth and before the Antichrist is given free reign. Because it talks about in 2 Thessalonians, uh, in the following verses, verse 4, "...who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he is God, God, referring to the Antichrist, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things." So it's interesting. And sometimes we think of eschatology as that's something that's uh, more for advanced believers. Some, you know, maybe we don't need to worry about all the details, but it's interesting. Paul, with the early church, I mean, his first epistles to the church and his first teachings in the church personally, when he was there planting the church, he was discussing the return of Christ. And he was ex discussing and uh, teaching uh, eschatological uh, uh, the end time events for the church of Thessalonica. And they were concerned with these. And now verse 6, And know ye not that... Uh, withholdeth, speaking of the Holy Spirit. You know, when the church goes up, um, 
when the church leaves in the rapture, the Holy Spirit among believers is not having the same restraining work. If you could look around at society today, what would happen if all the churches, all the Bible-believing churches, all the, all the real Christians who are faithful to God and His Word and to right living, if they were suddenly removed from this earth, how much worse could society and all the problems get? If you can imagine that, that's the, what Paul seems to be describing here is, uh, and you know that what withholdeth, that he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, might be, um, that he, speaking of the man of sin, is going to be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let, speaking of the Holy Spirit, I believe, uh, who is restraining, letteth, restraining, until he be taken out of the way. And so when God allows Satan to have his way in this world, he's going to allow that for a time to bring that tribulation period about. Verse 8, And then shall that wicked be revealed, referring to the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So when Christ returns, he will defeat the Antichrist at his second coming, the second advent. Um, and verse 9, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all the power and signs and lying wonders, with all the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So again, the, the main message for the believers here is, is don't be deceived. You know, don't be deceived by, by uh, false teachings that will uh, emphasize, uh, take you away from resting in your faith in Christ and, and believe that it's hopeless because God is ultimately still in control. His Holy Spirit is still on, at work in this world, and God has not yet allowed that man of sin to come about and to take over and to rule this world. That hasn't happened yet, and Paul is indicating that here in this passage. In verse 11, For this cause God shall send them great delusion, that they shall believe a lie, and they all, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 13, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification, through the spirit and belief of truth. And when we come to this in our Sunday night study, we'll get in more in depth into these passages and sections. But whereunto you are called by our gospel to the obtaining of, our of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So Paul is again telling them, give the attention to sound doctrine and sound teaching. Hold fast to those. Don't be deceived by false ideas based on what we taught you, but hold fast to what we taught you and what we're teaching you here in these epistles. Verse 16, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, that's everlasting comfort. The truth is comforting. Uh, we don't have to be, be thrown in, into, into fear of uh, that God is not in control or that, uh, you know, that we have to, the man of sin, the Antichrist, is not someone we have to fear. And the good hope through grace, verse 17, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And so that's the second extent that Paul is giving that encouragement to faithfulness of God is don't be deceived by teachings based on what I told you or, or, or what the scriptures say. Don't, don't be led astray. Um, avoid those false teachings. 
uh, especially the, those who are unsaved, will have a lot of false ideas about them um, so that they can uh, disobey God's word. And uh, by faithfulness to sound doctrine, as we see in verse 17, you find peace, comfort your hearts by faithfulness to sound doctrine. And then in, in chapter 3, we see that faithful believers withdraw themselves from the company of those who teach ideas that contradict the scripture. Verse 6 in chapter 3 says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves, withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. So, and there, apparently that goes to the extent that some due to some of these false teachings going on in Thessalonica, were teaching that they didn't have to work anymore. Uh, they didn't have to work and, and uh, earn a living, uh, but should be supported by other means, even, even by the church perhaps. But that's not what Paul had taught. So look at verses 7 uh, through 15. For, our, for our, yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behaved ourselves not disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. And so the third extent to which we are to be encouraged to be faithful to God is follow the instructions that Paul has, has given, that the Bible has given, that the New Testament now gives, starting here with First and Second Thessalonians. And in the Again, the goal, going back to chapter 1, is to stay true to sound doctrine, to glorify God. Where, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 1 had, remember, said, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness in the work of faith and power. And the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him according to the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just in enduring persecution, but also in, in remaining faithful to sound doctrine, not being deceived, and following, thirdly, the instructions that Paul had given them. In, ver in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 2, remember, he said, But we are bound to give thanks always for God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification in the Spirit and the belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel, their preaching, the instructions they give to them concerning scripture and salvation, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, following sound doctrine is necessary for spiritual growth. We saw all that also in verses 15 through 17 of chapter 2. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold their traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. So the instructions they gave them. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts. Establish you. Gr spiritual growth in you every good word and work. And then following sound doctrine encourages those who are in Christian leadership. Um, look at verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may, be, may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So by their being faithful to Paul's instructions, that will encourage further growth in other churches. And, and by our being faithful to, to God here at the Bible Church of Lakeshore, 
we have the opportunity to support the gospel throughout the world through the missionaries we support, through the example that we present here in our own community and to the passing that baton also to our children and uh, those to whom we can have an influence on for the gospel. Verse 2, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things that we command you. So again, another encouragement by Paul to be faithful to God by following the instructions Paul has given them, both when he was there with them physically and now through the epistles of First and Second Thessalonians. And then finally, to follow sound doctrine, believers must identify and withdraw from, as we mentioned earlier, those who, who teach false teachings. You see that starting in verse 6 that we already read, and then can, picking up um, verse 11. Verse 11, for we, and chapter 3, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So instead of working their job, they figure, well, God's, Christ is coming, return, returning any day, so we'll spend our time you know, discussing um, current events and such things, uh, what's going on. And, but that leads to other problems, and they, they need to be supporting themselves and continuing to work, uh, both in the ministry of the church and also in, in, in the ministry of supporting themselves and their family. And verse 12, Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And remember in verse 10 he said, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you. Their instruction was that if any would not work, neither should they eat. And then uh, verses 13 through 15, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary of following the instructions Paul has for us and seeking those instructions. You know, God wants to give us wisdom and to grow us spiritually, but we have to seek after it and follow, uh, follow after it. Look, uh, be in his word. Be uh, praying and reading his word every day. And uh, if any man, verse 14, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. And I want to admonish you today, remember verse um, 13, be not weary in well-doing. Now, this is a new year, and often in, in a new year, uh, we make goals such as reading through the Bible in one year. You know, uh, but even if, if that is too much, to read through the New Testament would be a, a worthy goal that I challenge anyone, if, you're, if, you're not, if you don't feel able to read through the Bible in one year this year, that you'd read through the New Testament this year. I'd take about uh, one chapter a day and read from Matthew through Revelation, read through the New Testament. You know, just because uh, we don't meet uh, New Year's resolutions in one year, um, let's not give up each year, uh, especially the worthy goal of reading His Word. Let's not be weary and well-doing. Let's be in God's Word and searching what He has for us to grow spiritually and to grow in our walk with Him, our relationship with Him, and our testimony to others. So now in the book of 2 Thessalonians, we've looked at three extents. We've looked at the big picture here of being faithful to God and three extents to which God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to be faithful in enduring tribulation, enduring persecution in this world and uh, for our faith. And secondly, uh, we are to be uh, faithful to sound doctrine, to recognize false teachings based on the Bible and to give our attention and, and follow 
the right teachings from God's Word and from Paul's epistles and teachings. And third, to follow the instructions Paul gives, to do what he has asked, to do what the Bible asks of us in our daily lives. And to, to know what to do, we need to be reading it. We need to be following, you know, be uh, giving our attention to that sound teaching. To be in church and, and hearing the preaching and teaching of his word and to be in the word ourselves and, and uh, following those instructions. So as we begin this new year, let's challenge ourselves afresh to study his word and to follow it in our daily lives, applying it to our lives so that we can be a testimony like the church of Thessalonica was a testimony to those around them, an encouragement to Paul himself to be faithful to God. Let's, let's challenge ourselves. Let's make one of our New Year's resolutions, if you, if you have a list of those, let's make one of those to be faithful to God. Let's be faithful to Him, willing to suffer persecution if necessary, and be enduring, be, in, be patient, be enduring and uh, give our attention to sound Bible teaching and obedience to God's Word. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for every 